lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Back here again today for the second day of 2021. I am Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre is here with me. Todd Erzin here with me as well. Gentlemen, how you doing? I mean, yesterday was the first full weekday or week or workday, I should say. We hit the ground running like, you know, we didn't like ease into this thing after two weeks of vacation and just went full blast on day one. How are you guys feeling? OK, I mean, you're a little tired. You're back ready to go for day two. I am. And, you know, by Iowa winter standards out there, we're kind of living in a winter wonderland. I mean, it's it's cold and crisp, but it's not crazy, insane cold or windy. It's been yet some night. Not yet. I know. But right now to get out of the year, along with, you know, like I said yesterday, we had some we didn't come in kind of like a uh, 221. No, we're like. Come on, bring you, it. Let's do this you, thing. You, you know me. I'm, I'm done with the snow after New Year's. I, I'm done with it. I want it gone. Don't want to see it again until next December. I'm done. I'm going to Florida at the end of the month. And um, so I'm kind of hoping for just, uh, I'm kind of hoping for like minus 10 temperatures so I can just appreciate Florida better. But then after that, I'm I'm, I'm ready for a summer. So... Oh, you want those temperatures before you go? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I misread not... that. I'm, I thought you were like, I hope you guys freeze we... your petunias off while I'm gone so I can laugh at you. Actually, no, I want that too. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You, have... you want them both, right? I prayed is, about it and I feel it real good to, about it. Is it better to be feared or respected? Why not both? Exactly. Uh, Aaron Stark says, yes, Todd. We, we, I think we need to dust off the dude code. You're not allowed to consciously choose to live in Iowa and resent the cold until at least february you just can't you i don't complain too much about the cold no you don't i just i'm just bringing it as a point of order now yep i'm with you on that i mean the the hassle with the snow just in terms of driving and getting around and everything else uh, that's the issue for me it's not that i it's not that i resent the cold and the snow it's just that i like warmth and green pastures better yeah Yeah. Yeah, i hear you i do too but uh you know i i went through we had one of the worst blizzards in iowa history 11 years ago and i got stuck at work uh, where i was working locally at the time i got stuck at that radio station for three days i couldn't shower or anything i just i couldn't get home yeah, I remember your like yep. Donner Party yes. announcements that yes. you were issuing with John. Uh, that was my host or my partner at the time. But um, I, I vowed, I told, I promised God I would never ever complain about how hot it was. So it's like a Martin Luther moment or yes. something. I promised God for the rest of my life I would never ever, if I could get home on that third day to see my family and take a shower, I would never ever complain about how hot it was. And. You guys don't typically, I, I, I've tried my best to keep up with that. I don't do a lot of complaining about the heat in the summertime, do I? Not, I no. Well, not not outside. Yeah. Inside, yeah, where we hot, work it, right yeah. now, yeah. Yeah, we I live mean, in the a temperature, freezer. I mean, yeah, I mean, like the earth temperature. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about the internal working yeah, you, conditions. Well, you pushed it all to the indoors, <laughs> is what you did. Hey, you think it's cold, work, work a day in Glenn Beck's studio, brother. All right. I walk in there and I'm like, what in the Sam Hill is going on here? I mean, how does a human being survive in this environment? Okay. So, I mean, it, it, it is, it is, you are a tropical people compared to what Glenn Beck does to his staff. Just keep that in mind. All, All right. right. Uh, Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the program to let us know what you think about what we think. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook. Uh, 
where 72% of our traffic has been crashed, squashed, according to Facebook's uh, algorithms and statistics. So maybe it's just something I've done since the election, but 72% of our traffic, I looked. We've lost 72% of our traffic on our Facebook page since the election. So whatevs, look at it if you want. Probably won't count. Look up Steve Dace on Facebook. We have the uh, free speech alternative on MeWe. You can go there instead. Also, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Uh, our parlor page, the free speech alternative to Twitter, uh, at Steve Dace. And you can also check out our YouTube channel. We're posting more and more content there for you to uh, sample and then hopefully share with others. Go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. And again, my new book is out now, A Nefarious Carol. You can get your copy right now at amazon.com. We have sold a crap ton of copies. Uh, The publisher, very, very happy with our sales numbers, which means next Christmas, the Dace children are also going to be very, very happy. So thank you to all of you for what uh, you have done to contribute to that. And I say, hey, why not make a down payment right now on Christmas 2022, right? So if you weren't able to get your copy of A Nefarious Carol, go to amazon.com and get your copy now. If you have had a chance uh, to either listen to the Audible book, that's my daughter and I, my oldest daughter and I read that book, uh, or you've had a chance to read A Nefarious Carol, if you liked it, consider leaving us a five-star review. We've gotten a ton of those too, so please keep all of that coming and do your part now. Now that Christmas 2021 will happen, do your part for Christmas 2022. It was one month to flatten the curve of Steve's 2020 Christmas expenses. That's rapidly as the science progresses, turning into 12 months of flattening the curve. Yes. Steve's 2021 Christmas. And if it and, and just wait two more weeks or something, right? It, it's just all science. Speaking of science, at the bottom of the hour, basically the OG. Uh, if it wasn't if it wasn't this show and a couple of other people, this guy was the first to say, eh, I'm gonna have to call BS on that. Former New York Times reporter Alex Berenson, kind of the OG of Team Reality. He has now turned his attention to the COVID-19 vaccines and looking at the data in the trials, the data in how it's being distributed, the data in how bodies are responding to it. He will be joining us uh, to give us an update on all of that at the bottom of this hour. You don't want to miss it. Uh, Next hour, we are going to play our first weekly game of Fake News or Not with yours truly as the subject. I did my perennial now. I mean, how many years in a row have I done this? Uh, A New Year's Day hit on C-SPAN's Washington Journal. It's like they've decided that America can only tolerate 10 minutes of me on New Year's Day. And then it's like, all right, check that box. Let's just move on. All right. We, we acknowledged him and then we're just going to move on and make our way through the CPAC speaking order instead. Right now, what ain't fake news is holy crap. Do I look terrible on this on this clip? I mean, dude, if you, this might be one time you'll be, you should be glad if you're just doing blaze radio or the podcast, because this will not be much of a visual presentation dude i mean i how do you washed out or i I, I don't know what it is um the first term if i didn't know it was me my first initial reaction is who's got a restraining order on that guy i mean it's bad it's really bad so of course we're going to show it to you next hour but it's bad all right this is how bad it is all right 
I showed it to my wife and I'm like, holy crap, do I look terrible? And she's like, no, you don't. Right? That's the wife response, right? Okay. And then I'm like, come on. I look terrible. She didn't respond again. That's how bad it was. All right, I got, I got the, the wifely patronizing to encouraging, oh, it's not as bad as you think, too. No, that's just terrible. And then it was silence after that. that that's how you know it was bad. So we'll, hopefully we'll just go with not the, uh, the presentation, but the words that are spoken. And then Pop Culture Tuesday, dare we say, is it possible? Has Star Wars been fixed? We'll find out what the curmudgeon over here thinks. All that and more coming your way. But first, a big day today. We are soon going to find out whether or not we will be subjected to weeks and weeks of Team GOP conservative media propaganda blaming Lynn Wood for losing the Georgia runoff today, right? This is the most important runoff election of our lifetimes, right? Okay. Uh, that and more will be featured in Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Runoff Day. President Trump rallied in Georgia last night for Republicans David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler. Well, I want to thank you very much. Hello, Georgia. By the way, there's no way we lost Georgia. There's no way. I'll be here in about a year and a half campaigning against your governor, I guarantee you. If you want to send a message to the powerful forces that are trying to control your country, you must get out and vote tomorrow for David Perdue and Kelly Leffler. With your help, we're going to continue our mission to save America. Polls close tonight at 7 p.m. In Washington, left-wing radicals paid a visit to the home of Senator Josh Hawley overnight. Hawley was in Missouri at the time, but his wife and newborn baby were in the House at the time. We're not going to let people hold our democracy hostage. We're not going to let them infringe on our rights. Every ballot has been counted. It is over. So when democracy is under attack, what do we do? When democracy is under attack, what do we do? Coronavirus news. According to multiple media outlets, Los Angeles EMS workers have been directed not to transport patients with, quote unquote, little chance of survival due to hospitals in the city being overrun by new cases of Wuhan coronavirus. California has, of course, been a leader in lockdowns and draconian mask mandates for nearly a year. Dr. Anthony Fauci, feeling emboldened by the good news out of California, said this on Meet the Press. Are we going to need to do another 15 to 30 days, stop the spread, maybe do a, a partial lockdown? We certainly need to enhance and make more uniform our public health measures. Meanwhile, in Boston, the Boston University men's and women's basketball teams are requiring their players to wear masks while they're playing and also forcing visiting teams to do the same. In Florida, however, Governor Ron DeSantis is having none of CNN's loaded questions. Governor, what, what has gone wrong with Governor? What has gone wrong with the rollout of the vaccine that we've seen phone lines jammed, websites crashed? There's a lot of demand. Also, I mean, I think at the I, end of the I, day, we, excuse finish, me, excuse me. If I could finish my question, you just said what has gone wrong, so I'm answering the question. If I could complete the question, though, so are you going to give a speech or are you going to answer, ask a question? With all due respect, Governor, you I'm asked trying, a question. I'm, I'm going to answer it. Finish my you're question. Not, no, you're, you're you're giving a speech. You asked the question. I am trying to ask you the. You're going to ask how many questions? You get three. They 
only got one question. Why do you get three? With all due respect, Governor, I'm just asking if I could finish my question. You didn't. You finished the question. United Van Lines has released their annual report on where people are moving to and from. The 2020 study shows the states where the most people are moving to is Idaho, South Carolina, Oregon, South Dakota, and Arizona. The top five states where people are moving from is New Jersey, New York, Illinois, Connecticut, and California. Kamala Harris has been caught plagiarizing the soon-to-be vice plagiarist president, apparently appropriated an anecdote first told by civil rights icon Martin Luther King Jr. when she was interviewed by Elle magazine in October. Harris repeatedly boasted of her parents' involvement in the civil rights movement of the 1960s and tells a story of when she was left in her stroller during a march by her parents when they lost track of her. When they eventually found her fussing and pouting, her parents asked her what she wanted and she apparently said freedom. Problem is, that story bears remarkable similarity to a story told by Martin Luther King Jr. in a 1965 interview with Playboy magazine. Quote, I will never forget a moment in Birmingham when a white policeman accosted a little Negro girl, seven or eight years old, who was walking in a demonstration with her mother. What do you want? The policeman asked her gruffly, and the little girl looked him straight in the eye and answered, freedom. And finally, this from the Babylon Bee. Biden promises nationwide mask mandate and woman date. <laughs> and that's what happened while we were away. Ah, <laughs> oh, oh, woman. So say we all. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Gabby Insurance. You know, if you're looking for ways to save money here in the new year, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, how'd you like to keep an extra maybe 900 plus bucks a year in your pocket? Because that's how much Gabby customers save per year on average on their car and home insurance. That's why you want to go shopping for your insurance through Gabby. This is the time of year to take the pain out of shopping for insurance. They give you apples to apples comparisons of your current coverage with 40 of the top providers out there, including big time national companies like Nationwide Travelers and more. Just link your current insurance account and in just minutes you'll see the quotes for the coverage you have or the coverage you want. Um, I used Gabby a few months ago and you know what it told me? It recommended I go with the exact same package uh, from the exact same insurance provider that we have. And so if you've already got the best you can do with uh, where you are at right now, it'll tell you that too. But if you can do better, believe me, Gabby will help point the way for that to happen and for you to save money. All right. So uh, you're probably overpaying. Chances are, at least for one, most of you, uh, car and homeowners insurance, see how much Gabby can save for you. It's totally free to check. No obligation. Just go to Gabby, G-A-B-I, G as in George, A-B as in boy, G-A-B-I, Gabby.com slash Dace, my last name, D-E-A-C-E. Go to Gabby.com slash Dace to learn more at Gabby.com slash Dace. All right, let's get to a couple of points I want to make in from Aaron's montage. And and I want to I want to connect a dot from yesterday's show. You know, the sons of Issachar are they get one mention that I know of in the Bible, but the mention they are given is very memorable. It says that these are men who understood the times and knew what to do about them. One of my favorite books of the Bible, a lot of people's, one of, uh, one of a lot of people's favorite books, uh, is in the Old Testament. I believe it's the only one that doesn't mention God by name, I believe, right? Um, and that's Esther. Is that the only book that doesn't mention God by name? 
And the phrase for such a time as this comes from that book. And Esther's uncle, I believe it is, says to her, hey, that you have been raised up into the king, into, into Xerxes, or is it Artaxerxes? One of the two. You've been raised into the king's court to save your people for such a time as this, right? In the New Testament, Paul writes, when the time was right, God sent his son. How, how was the time right? Well, ultimately, whatever God's timing is always right because he's God. But looking at it from, from our human perspective, the earliest possible time that the world was largely united, most of the civilized world was largely united by a language a, in a custom, Latin to Greco-Roman, that travel throughout much of the world was at the least perilous it had been at any other point in human history because of the advances of the Roman Empire. They invented things like concrete, the Appian Way, things at the, the, the shipyards, etc. That was, you could argue, that point in time, you could argue, was probably the first point in time. I mean, Jesus is God incarnate. He's, he's, he's going to be able to do what, what he is what, what he wants to do, right? But what about the disciples? What about the church that was left behind? That's made up of people, people that are spirit-filled, but people nevertheless, right? That this was probably the first point in time an argument could be made in, in human history, as far as we know, that you could take that message. Human beings in this mortal coil could take that message to the links and the extents of the earth that they were able to take it there in the first century and beyond. There's a lot in the scriptures about timing and understanding those times. For everything, there's a time and a season, it says in Proverbs, right? Or is that Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes, actually. Why do I bring this up? Because yesterday, we had a conversation answering the three objections, some of our fellow conservatives, and some of them are, are dear friends of mine I have an immense amount of respect for and love tremendously. I just think they're wrong. And I think one of the things they're doing is they're, they're, they're arguing in a relevant point. We are now at a juncture where a U.S. senator's home is threatened and invaded. His property is invaded with his family there, a newborn, correct? And his wife, yes. he's not there. He's back home in Missouri. They're still here. As Woody Hayes once said about why he didn't believe in throwing the football, three things can happen and two of them are bad, right? Three things can happen when an unruly mob of left marauding leftists who have no regard for decorum, tradition, the law, show up at your house without your wife and kid there, or without, without you there and your wife and kid there, three things can happen and two of them are bad, right? Thank God the other thing happened and eventually they just went away. But folks, the time is coming and will soon be here. A couple of years ago, it just so happened that a member of the House, the House um, leadership 
decided to attend a softball game, and therefore that required a security detail. If he had stayed home that day or had appointments and could not go, how many dead bodies will we have dragged out of that suburban Virginia softball field that day a few years ago? We are dodging bullets here, but they're being fired. Have you noticed that? The bullets are being fired. We're dodging them, thank God. But you can only play dodgeball with bullets for so long before eventually you're going to get tagged. And then what happens when someone is? That's your Archduke Ferdinand moment. We're off to the races, right? Yep. We're arguing, some of my friends want to argue over the 47th syllable of the 12th Amendment. When there's a mob at a U.S. senator's home that in other parts of the country we have seen commit violence from the same organization at his home, he's not there and his wife and his child is. you understand the dots I'm connecting here? Your process arguments are irrelevant. Your thoughts about the nuances of decorum within the Roman Senate are irrelevant once the rumble of the Visigoths comes over the wall. You're too late now. Your thoughts about cherished traditions of the Roman way and norms that should not be violated no longer matter when the final emperor of Rome, Romulus, hands over his scepter. I'm sorry we're here, but we're lying to ourselves if we don't admit we are or at the very least, we're almost sadly there. And so, forgive me, I, I don't have time, and I don't care. Some of you have asked me, what do you think of the Georgia, the call to the Georgia secretary? I don't care. I have, I have I've, first of all, I haven't watched any of the edits from the Washington What's a Gender post, okay? I've not watched any of their edits nor have I read the entire transcript because I don't care. Because Donald Trump's behavior, whatever I may or th may not think about it or you may or may not think about it, has nothing to do with where'd all those votes come from at four o'clock the next day? That's all I want to know. I just want the answers to those questions. That's it. And Donald Trump's behavior has nothing to do with a marauding band of leftists that we have seen act out violently in other places, showing up at a U.S. senator's home when he's not there, but his wife and his newborn are. To a dark place, I fear this is going. You may argue all the decorums you want. And I know that a lot of your arguments are frankly just based off a of disdain for Trump. 
or uh, your wish casting that we're not really as close to the brink as all the signs of the times show that we are. And this I can promise you, this is the lesson of history. It's the lesson of bullies. The longer you put off confronting them and acknowledging who they are while they're telling this to you, the worse and the more violent and the more difficult the confrontation will become. Latest polls out of Georgia. Our friends at the Trafalgar Group have both races just razor thin. They, uh, their latest poll had a split verdict. I think they had Kelly Loeffler winning by about a point and a half, correct? And John Ossoff defeating David Perdue by a couple of points, right? Is that what they had? Yep. For those of you that wonder, I don't live in Georgia. If I did, here's what I would do. If I lived in Georgia, I'd vote for Kelly Loeffler. And, and just leave David Perdue to wither on the vine. I don't, I don't really care if there's 50 or 51 or Republicans. You know what I'm saying? I'm, he's worthless. I'll, I'd vote for Kelly Loeffler because she's running against the more wacko, whack job. Uh, uh, Jeremiah Wright, Louis Farrakhan, Louis Farrakhan knockoff version. That's what I would do if I lived there. Um, and then if they both lost... I, I really wouldn't be all that disappointed the next day. Because other than a couple of judicial appointments, I don't think I'm going to get really anything different. So that's what I do. For those of you that are curious if I live there. But I'm, I'm not here to argue with you. If, if you think it's the most important runoff of all time, by golly, go get them. And if you're where our new friend, Julie Kelly at American Greatness is at, where she's like, let it burn. And ain't like it. It's not like there's not evidence for. That's what's so frustrating about this. Is there evidence for voting against every Democrat you can because of what you fear they will do if you give them power? Is there evidence for that? Ample. Is there evidence for let the whole thing burn? Otherwise, it won't make because it won't make a difference anyway. Is there ample evidence for that? Unfortunately, yeah. And this is why it get. This is why it's so divisive in our own ranks. Because both, whatever side of that equation you fall on, a lot of people want, that want you to validate the side that they're on. And then kind of feel, especially when it's people you know that agree with you and share your belief system, and then they don't want to apply it the same way you do, then it gets really, really personal, right? As best as I can possibly do, I'm going to try to avoid that. Try being the operative word. Okay. But we shall see. The early voting numbers in Georgia are absolutely insane. They're insane. Now, something, those of us that do believe in a lack of integrity in the presidential election result. You know, we talked about this last week when we filled in for Glenn Beck. I asked Daniel Horowitz. We had him on one of the days we were on. And I asked Daniel about this. Hey, if those two Republicans with the same exact vote drop system in place if they turn around and win in georgia does that do we have to reconsider some of our own concerns about the state and he said yeah i kind of agree doesn't mean that doesn't answer what happened in philadelphia right doesn't answer what happened in milwaukee county right right doesn't answer what happened in wayne county right 
But since Georgia's kind of become the crosshairs of this, because it's pretty obvious Donald Trump doesn't like Brian Kemp. He didn't like him before this, and, and he made that obvious earlier last year, right? Made that pretty obvious. This whole episode and Kemp's leadership just confirmed everything that Trump ever thought about him. So you have a, you have a personal thing between the governor of the state and the president of the United States. The, the, we had a runoff right afterwards. And so Georgia has kind of, it's like we totally forgot about like all the dead people and non-residents, the Nevada Republican Party put a sworn affidavit in claiming voted in their state. It, it's like Georgia was the only state now when it really wasn't. But it's the focal point of the now. And if, if, if Purdue and, and Loeffler pull this thing out tomorrow, because they have not run campaigns, that they've not run good campaigns. I mean, Purdue has been terrible. Loeffler, not much better. If they pull this thing out today with the same vote drop system in place, we're going to have to deal with the fact that it's going to reinforce arguments of those who are saying on our own side, hey, Trump was just uniquely polarizing. They're going to have some anecdotal evidence to, to reinforce that case, whether that's enough to change anybody's minds, but that will have to be considered. Some of you won't like that. Just like some of you, some of my own friends don't like me right now, but I'm going to pursue the truth wherever I think that it leads. I'm fine with the truth. I just want to know what it is. More in a moment. just had my first built bar of the day they they're launching a brand new line by the way i just got the email today chocolate chip chunky chocolate chip cookie dough their mad scientists over there are constantly at work with new flavors i, I mean, mean that I'm, lab is just i mean snapping along dude you guys know I'm, i love cookie dough it's a food group to me but now Built Bar is going to do it. Folks, I'm telling you, you've never had a protein bar this good. There are some candy bars you've had loaded with fillers and junk that are bad for us, but taste great. There's some candy bars you've had that aren't this good. All right. How about, though, it's a lot healthier, too. Uh, Less than five net carbs per bar. Less than five grams of sugar per bar. Less than 200 calories per bar. Um, up to 20 grams of protein per bar. But they taste great. And then the, the other thing, too, is the texture. Don't get any of that kind of chalky texture or anything of that nature. Um, it, it, it's like eating a Three Musketeers bar. I've, 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 I've compared it to that from a texture standpoint. All these flavors now, they're well into the 20s with the different flavors they have. All covered in real chocolate. They got a brand new white chocolate line. The white chocolate sea salt caramel. I'm telling you, man, if I just like handed those out next year on trick or treat night and gave them to kids, they'd be like, wow, this is a great candy bar. Where'd you get this? Except it's a protein bar. That's how good these are. Use my last name to get started right now for Built Bar. You're, You're looking for, hey, what are some meal replacements, some snack replacements this time of year? I promise you're not going to find one better than this. And this is a big deal to me too. Easy on the tummy. So great taste, great nutrition, easy on the tummy as well. 20% off your first order when you go to Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T, 
BuiltBar.com again. That's BuiltBar.com. Well, he could very well be the OG of calling BS on the year that was 2020. Author, former New York Times reporter Alex Berenson joins us again here today on the Steve Day Show. Alex, it's good to have you with us, brother. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm, I'm fine. I wish we had some uh, some video, but I can see you. Um, uh, and, you know, unfortunately, it looks like 2021 is starting just the way 2020 <laughs> ended. It's going back in lockdown. The teachers won't go back in in Chicago. It just, uh, you know, I, I, if you if you told me in April, let's say, that we would still be dealing with this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 10 months later, I, I would have said you're insane. But the public health establishment does not want to uh, they don't want to give up the power that they've gotten. They don't they don't want to you know, they don't want to be honest with people about the real risks and benefits here. And I think people a lot of people I don't know if it's a majority yet or not. I hope it's a majority have sort of uh, reality has, has kind of seeped into people over the months. But there's still a lot of people, especially people in power, especially people in blue states like New York, where I am who uh who are who are who are not having it they don't want to let go well we saw the numbers from tsa travel over christmas was the most they've had go through our airports uh since before march 11th when the shutdowns began i suspect a lot of people will still be willing to comply through the winter we're not doing much in the winter time anyway um while i believe the numbers show and the data shows this thing was clearly percolating all last flu season this will be the first time flu season though that we've acknowledged going in that it is here so i could see some other people be it's a lot of people being like hey we're not doing much in the winter time anyway let's we'll, we'll stick with this for now but brother i'm telling you i I've, when we get to spring i do think that whatever is left of people that are done with this um that just aren't into the branch covidian cult as i call it um i think you're gonna when we get when we come out of the winter time i think that's when you're gonna see enough pe- a lot of people in a lot of places say enough is enough is enough man um I, you, you may be right um i mean i, I would say one by the way, this, you know, I hate to say this is good for me, right? I've written these booklets, right? These three pamphlets. Mm -hmm. And if you told me that, you know, they'd still be selling, you know, the first one came out in June, the unreported truths pamphlets and that that my sort of, I don't want to say brand, but that my role or my role as an information provider in this would have continued all these months, I would have been shocked. Um, But uh, I mean, I think it's a slow process, right? I mean, for, first of all, people have limited ability to push back, right? If you're if you're running a business, you have to make a decision. Am I going to risk these multi thousand dollar fines and you know even in some cases possible criminal charges? Although they, you know they've been reluctant to do that to reopen, how desperate do I have to be to reopen? If you're an individual, you know, I think uh, you, you decide, am I going to travel or not? And a lot of people do travel. Uh, I mean, on the flights, we, we, we went down to Florida. I went to I went to uh, Austin, Texas last uh, month to see uh, to see Joe Rogan. And then I went to Florida with my family. The flights were quite full. Um, people seemed not to be worried about sitting in middle seats and stuff like that. People do wear masks. It seems like, you know, it seems like we sort of collectively decided we're going to wear masks. I think the masks are generally useless. They're certainly mm-hmm. useless as protective devices, but you know, it sort of makes people comfortable and 
And if if that's why we're doing it, I, I you know I don't love it, but I'm okay with it. Of all the steps we can take, it's the it's sort of the least intrusive one. Um, although, you know, it's still problematic for some reasons, but but it's the least intrusive step we can take. And then and then the real question, where the rubber to me has really been hitting the road in the last month, Steve, is about vaccines. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. Let's go there. Yep. All right. So, so, so let let's yep. let's let's start, Alex, with the with the trials before they brought these to market. Yes. Tell our audience what's in the data in the human trials that they need to know. So, so here's what here's what people need to understand. The vaccines, we say vaccines, but it's there are several different kinds of vaccines that are that are uh, you know that are being tested, and two you know two vaccines in the U.S. have been approved, and those are called mRNA vaccines. So this is a technology that you would you'd, you'd call it emerging. It really it had never been used in a vaccine before. Um, uh, it's relatively new. And the idea is we're going to give people a little piece of uh, RNA genetic material that's going to go into their cells and they're going to make a piece our cells. We're going to we're going to fool ourselves into making a piece of this virus or a piece that looks very, very much like the spike protein on the virus, which is what attaches to our cells. OK, mm-hmm. so so there are other ways to make vaccines. You can make vaccines with what's called live attenuated virus, where you'd actually give people uh, coronavirus, but you'd give it, you know, you, you, you'd you'd weaken it. You can give people dead virus. There's there are DNA vaccines and technology in trials. There are many different uh, types of vaccines that are being tried. And these two were the first to market because they're the quickest. Um, essentially, uh, you can you can you can figure out what the vi- what the virus is, what the genetic code that's going to code this spike protein looks like in a matter of days, literally days. And then you can start um, seeing uh, how the human body or, you know, or animals react to it. That's why we got this out so quickly. Okay, but here's the problem: when you te- when you when you move something this quickly, when you do in less than a year what normally would take ten years or more. Okay, developing a drug in the United States and in Western countries takes often a decade or more because you want to do several things. You want to have lots of animal trials. You want to make sure that it's safe in 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 healthy volunteers first. You want to make sure that you have exactly the right dose, the dose that, you know, covers most people, but doesn't have very many side effects. Um, and, and you want to know exactly how it works and exactly what the side effects might be, especially for something like this, that you're planning to give to literally billions of people. And we essentially accelerated all of that. Okay. We, 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 again, these vaccines didn't exist a year ago. And now they're being put into the arms of, of, of millions of people in the United States and tens of millions of people worldwide. And what the clinical trial data shows is that the vaccines are quite effective at keeping people from getting the coronavirus. OK, it looks like at least in the short term, if you get one of these vaccines, you're much less likely to get the coronavirus. Now, we don't know if that immunity lasts. OK, we, we can't know if it lasts because we haven't had enough time. We simply cannot mm-hmm. know if immunity lasts. Anybody who says differently is not telling the truth. The and reason why that matters is because it's a ratio of risk is what you're saying. The risk of side well, effects compared to the benefit of, of how long the immunity lasts. Right. Yes. So, yes, you got it. That's exactly the right way to think about it. So, well, and, and, and it's even it's more complicated than that. Right. Because unlike Let's say uh, a vaccine for kids, a measles vaccine. Okay, 
every child is at risk, roughly the same risk from measles. And we don't know who's going to get really sick and who might die and who might spread it a lot. But we know measles can be dangerous to children. We want to vaccinate them. Okay, my kids are vaccinated against measles. My kids, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. My kids have all gotten the standard vaccine doses, okay, on the standard schedule. With this, the risk is not the same for everybody. It's not even close to the same for everybody. People who are 75 and over, and especially 85 and over, are at massively higher risk than younger people. I, I looked at the Italian data where they actually tell you who under 40 was not previously you know, quite sick and who died from COVID. Only 20 people as of last month 20 Italians under 40, this is out of a population of almost 25 million Italians in that age range, had died of COVID. And Italy has been basically the Western country that's been the hardest hit mm -hmm. by COVID. So this illness does not play fair, okay? It, it, really, it really picks on people and it picks on the elderly. And what we know from the vaccine trial data is that unfortunately, the vaccine side effect profile is the reverse. It looks like younger people are much more likely to have serious side effects. And people are going to say, well, maybe those side effects only last a couple of days. As you just said, if we, since we can't be sure that you're not going to need the vaccine next year or the year after or the year after, mm -hmm. it's very hard to make a smart risk-benefit analysis. What we know is that a lot of people who are young are going to have they're, – they're going to have, at best – like an unpleasant week or more, or I shouldn't say or more, but they're going to have an unpleasant week, certainly an unpleasant several days after getting this vaccine, more unpleasant for most of those people than COVID would be for them. So, so, so what the public health authorities have done is they follow the same playbook they followed all last year. One, they haven't told the truth about this, okay? They've said, oh, there are side effects, and yeah, all vaccines have side effects. No, this is not like the flu. You can look at the clinical trial data, and you can look at what's already happened now that the vaccine is being rolled out, and it is significantly worse, and the second dose is worse. So they've, so they've not told the truth about the side effects, and they've not told the truth about who's really benefiting from this, right? The, so what, they're, what they should be saying to people is, this is your choice, and you may have, you know, un, an unpleasant reaction to it. But and by the way, if you're under, you know, under 50, certainly under 40, you're at pretty low risk from COVID if you're healthy. But if you get the vaccine, you may be less likely to spread it. So we'd like you to do this. You know, we think this is a good thing to do. Instead, they're trying to batter people, tell them, you know, tell them uh, essentially threaten that, you know, you may not be able to go to a concert. You may not be able to fly. There's all these things coming down the pike if you don't get this and try to shame people. Oh, you have to do this. Everybody smart is doing this. You're an anti-vaxxer. You don't know anything. And guess what? People didn't have a choice about lockdown, Steve. And they didn't and they don't really have a choice about wearing masks. It's just, you know, it just certainly it's hard to shop if you're not going to wear a mask. People have a choice about this vaccine. And the frontline healthcare workers, who theoretically should be the people who want this the most, they're the people who've been most exposed to the harm of COVID. A lot of them are saying no. And you, you can look at the data and hear, and you know, and even the, the governors are complaining about this. There's news articles being written about this. Depending on where you are, anywhere between 25 and I would say 65% of healthcare workers are not accepting this vaccine. And so and that's a, and, wow. and that tells you that people are kind of voting, you know, they're voting with their arms. They're saying, I'm not going to I'm not going to risk this because you've been not telling me the truth about covid now for 10 months. And why should I believe you about this?
Alex, phenomenal stuff, folks. You have got to follow him on Twitter. What's the Twitter handle, Alex? Twitter is just Alex Berenson. The, uh, the the booklets are called the Unreported Truths booklets, and you can get them on Amazon and at Barnes and Noble and at Apple. Um, and you know, I, I think I'm going to have to write a fourth one about vaccines because yeah, I, I think people need to again. This you know this uh, the reason that I'm allowed to talk. You know, on Twitter and YouTube, they'll try to they'll try to ban. You know all about this yep. as well as I. They try to ban people. He says, I'm not out there saying, oh, it's 5G or this is to sterilize you. I'm telling you what the real data says, Mm -hmm. which is not, you know, that you should know that there are risks here and side effects. You're doing the Lord's work, brother. Keep it up. God bless you. All right. We appreciate you. You bet. Um, Wow. Uh, What he said there about the choice you have with the vaccine, you do now. But I'm telling you, as this year goes on, you will not. Unless you tell them you won't accept that they force that choice on you now. Okay? Because where this is headed is... So Daniel has... A, our friend Daniel Horowitz has a story out right now about Florida has it has basically the same hospitalization numbers it had during the 2018 flu season without lockdowns, without a mask mandate. Right? Okay. Now, I was just in Florida recently. Correct? Yes. Right before Thanksgiving. And he's right. There aren't lockdowns there and there aren't mask mandates there, but you almost can't go anywhere. Any kind of, you almost can't go to any, a private business in Florida without a mask that I saw when I was there. Okay. Um, and I saw uh, like everybody wearing one when I was there. So there's, there's other ways to impose this, meaning that the government will get, the government technically gives you a choice that you don't have to take the vaccine. But then you can't come to my game. You can't come to my store. You can't jump on my airline. You can't rent one of my cars. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So they just have they just have private industry do it instead. Essentially, it's a mark. You can't, you know, to borrow a phrase, you can't buy or sell unless you agree to take the vaccine. And if you want this stuff to end, we have to end it. We have to say we're not going to comply with this any longer. And you can find a business. Are you going to find 20 of us, 30 of us, 40 of us? Okay, well, now we have a class action lawsuit. We'll see you, We'll see you at the Supreme Court then, I guess. Where we had some interest, take this to the Austrian Supreme Court last week, right? And say, hey, what's your evidence for masks? State didn't have any. So the Austrian Supreme Court ruled against them. Now, I don't have much faith in our Supreme Court doing that. But there's ways to win cases while losing them. See Dred Scott at the exact same time. Forcing the hearing. Force them to lie in public. Because right now they don't have to. They just ban you if you tell the truth in public. Force them to lie in public. But we're going to have to force that. The answer is us in 2021. We're going to have to be willing to say we're not complying with this. We're going to take that whole government by the consent of the governed thing. We're going to go ahead and take that serious in 2021. We'll come back with hour two, fake news or not, featuring yours truly and my recent appearance on C-SPAN. Next.
we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email us, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. I guess, uh, or MeWe, which is our new Facebook alternative, at Steve Dace. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, over on Parlor at Steve Dace, and then check out our new YouTube page. We are uh, putting more and more content up there each and every day at youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And again, that's D-E-A-C-E. Also, if you're a podcast listener, we appreciate all of you every bit as much. Thanks for taking the time uh, to listen to us on demand. We appreciate that. We would ask that you show your appreciation in return, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, Leave us a five-star review. Hit that subscribe button, whichever podcast platform you prefer, because the more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. Thank you to the thousands upon thousands of you that have done those things for us already. We appreciate each and every one of them. All right, coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Pop Culture Tuesday for the first time in 2021. And yes, I'm getting emails. People want our Wonder Woman 1984 review. Aaron has not yet seen it. He has to watch it by next Tuesday. So we can talk about it next week. Okay. All right. But there's another topic we're getting a tons of, of emails about. People want to know what we thought of season two of The Mandalorian. And on a meta level, is Star Wars fixed? So, spoiler alert, there's no way we can talk about this without airing some spoilers. And if you've had access to the season to season two of The Mandalorian, and you've not yet watched it, unless you have Typhoid Mary, or you were in um, uh, a Hezbollah camp, that is a dude foul. It is absolutely a Star Wars fan foul. And we will have no sympathy for spoiling it for you, right? If anything, if anything, you're charged for not having watched it twice yet. Because that's how good this is. And, I mean, we'll get to this at the bottom of the hour, but when that lone X-Wing is shown flying off the wing of that Imperial ship. Just magical. Noah and I looked at each other and said, no, they didn't. I know. Same. All right. Same. My son and he just instinctively know it. And I just looked at each other and said, get out of here. Okay. They did not. No, they didn't. And then the hood, hooded figure with the green lightsaber shows up. Because you, for, you, and you they think did. it still might be yeah. Ahsoka. Yeah. But no, they they did. I know. The thing. Yeah. The the real thing. So we'll we'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour is Star Wars Fix that's coming your way. Uh, but first, some Pop Culture Tuesday, before, I'm sorry, before Pop Culture Tuesday. First, some fake news or not, brought to you by Scoremaster. You know, the average American has upwards of 100 points they can add to their credit score, but no idea of how to acquire those. Well, that's where the new credit science that helps to super duper boost your score comes in. Scoremaster's not talking about just a few points here and there. The average Scoremaster user can raise their credit score about 60 points in about three weeks because 
a lot of times we don't know why we have the score that we have. You know, you went to that uh, mortgage lender, you went to get the car loan, you went to get that business loan, and they're like thumbing through all these pages with the print off of your credit report and they're showing it to you. And it's like, I I mean, this is pig Latin, man. I don't understand any of this. Well, ScoreMaster makes it plain for you. You will clearly know in language you understand why you have the score you have right now. But then even more importantly, They'll chart a path for you also transparently to get to the score that you need and want. All right. Enroll in minutes. See how many plus points that ScoreMaster can add to your credit score when you visit scoremaster.com slash Steve. ScoreMaster, just like it sounds, scoremaster.com slash Steve. All right. Now I'm going to warn you. This video is heinous. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't bring much to bear in the looks department anyway okay um i'm just kind of an average white boy right that's pretty safe right i'm not commenting see i was testing you no there we go like i said all right dude code thank you dust it off hold up that's how we do it see what happened america you're looking for the lost art of masculinity see how todd even refused dismissively even i didn't even look you in the eye that's right that's that's what did he do i i was distracted that's even better yes none of us cared that you were talking aaron can't be bothered and todd just dismissed it out of hand that is the correct response according to the dude code that is the primo response however this is really bad and i i would just i'd be feeling like i violated like the obscenity code wherever that's at now the Hayes office code it's 12 a.m somewhere steve yeah, yes if, if if i didn't warn you nosferatu i mean this is bad okay i mean this is really bad in the interest of to defend myself um i was supposed to be on at 7 30 in the morning and they have me on at the same time on new year's day on washington journal every year because apparently America can only take 10 minutes of the Steve Day show on C-SPAN at a time, one time a year. I overslept. Like, that like never happens. I totally overslept. Woke up, it was well after 8 o'clock, and I'm like, crap. You know, and I send him an email apologizing profusely, you know, and thinking, I missed it, you know. And then they send me a note, hey, we can put you on in 10 minutes if you still want to do it. So I've not had a chance to shower or anything, although I don't know how much it would have improved it, but it certainly would have been better than what you were about to see. So I would urge you close your eyes and just listen to the word. See, it's even worse, too, because I wasn't on with that Pedro guy who's really a nice guy, but he's just another dude. They put me on with like some woman who's like really pretty. And so the contrast is even more brutal. All right. So consider closing your eyes and just listen to the words that are spoken. All right. So fake news or not, am I fake you, news or not? You could tell me you were a Democrat on C-SPAN. That would be more comfortable to me than everything I just heard leading up to this. <laughs> you'd have been, you'd have felt better if I just said, hey, guys, I went full lib. Yep. Okay. Right. Is that like in the movie Tropic Thunder? Don't go full. I don't think I can say that oh, word. No. But no, no one goes full lib. Don't go full lib. That, right. That movie. Don't ever go full lib on camera, Dace. Don't go full lib. No. I couldn't. I was told I had to watch it. It's incredible, that movie. 
See, I couldn't get through it. But that one scene of with you Robert could not Downey, get that you movie is incredible. That movie is one I of think, the best comedies okay, of you, the last okay, 20 years. It's amazing. It might have been a mood thing. I okay. was exhausted by it on that particular day. But that scene, I agree, is the stuff of genius. To me, to me there's, there's the two Mike Judge films, Idiocracy and Office Space. In terms of like the best comedies of the last twenty plus years, they're like in a they're in a place by themselves. But but Tropic Thunder is whatever the next realm is of, of really good. It's it's at the top of that list. It's it's phenomenal, incredible though. Five even five to fifteen years ago, the things that could be made then, but that that could yes. absolutely Robert not Downey be made. Jr. in blackface the entire time. Yeah, yeah, and he gets mocked for it too at the same time, mm-hmm. which is funny. Yeah, that that movie's brilliant. Anyway, we're getting we're getting we're getting sidetracked. I did not go full lib. I didn't go full lib. So don't worry, you still have a job. All right, but I'm warning you: close your eyes and just listen. We're going to go to Iowa. Steve Dace is joining us. He's the host of the Steve Dace show, The Blaze. Good morning, sir. And we've been asking our viewers all morning long how they're feeling about 2021. What say you? Well, I listened to the two calls before I came on, and you had a gentleman who wanted to, uh, hey, we've got to have some form of objective truth. And so his answer was to reinstitute the fairness doctrine where government's going to decide what's fair and what's not. Obviously, that's a great idea throughout history or not. And then the next gentleman complained that Trump voters won't accept the validity of the election and uh, Democratic voters accepted it just fine four years ago. Apparently, he was asleep for Russian collusion. Russia stole the election. Uh, Trump is compromised because of a P-tape by the Kremlin, and therefore uh, he is their stooge, and they conspired together to steal the election. He must have slept through all four years of those allegations. So apparently 2021 is going to look a lot like 2020 already, apparently. Well, are you optimistic or pessimistic? Uh, Realistic. Um, I think some things will get better. I think a lot of people, regardless of their political instincts, really want to get back to, you know, being able to have a funeral to honor uh, their passing on loved ones, want to have graduations again and proms for their kids, things that can't be replaced in time that were lost in 2020. So I think some of our patience with that collectively, regardless of our politics, is already beginning to wear thin. But but I really do fear we are in a place right now of irreconcilable differences as a people. And when that happens in a relationship, you start forging alternative narratives. Um, You start coming up with uh, things on top of the things you already didn't like that you don't like all the more. And that's kind of what this feels like right now. It feels like a marriage that stays together just for the kids, but the couple is long since lost that love and feeling. Steve Days, what are the big policy issues that will percolate in 2021 in Iowa? Well, I think what's going to happen here in Iowa will be reflective of what happens across the country. And that is what the, the number one issue is what is the balance between public health and then the fact we have to live our lives. If you look at the implied infection fatality rate, which is the true measure of any contagion's lethality, if you look at that implied infection fatality rate uh, from CDC, you don't get above 0.2 until you get into uh, senior citizens and those who are elderly. Well, yet we didn't protect them uh, with our mitigation efforts in our nursing homes. If you look at our current vaccination efforts, they don't seem to be a priority in vaccinating them either, and yet we continue 
continue on with these mitigation efforts up, but let's go ahead and keep the healthy people all locked down. And I think what you're going to see in this next year, you saw some of it this year with states like mine, with Governor Reynolds and Georgia, with Governor Kemp, uh, but within Florida with Governor DeSantis. But I think if indeed Joe Biden is sworn in on January 20th and there's not that confusion, well, that's the Republican president and he appointed Fauci. So maybe, you know, something I don't know. I think you're going to see a stark policy difference next year where the Democrats, for as long as they can, are going to be the party of a lockdown. And the Republicans now, with Democrats in total control, perhaps if they win the Georgia runoff, I think you're going to see the Republican Party, led by Ron DeSantis and others, are going to clearly be enough is enough. We have to get back to being America and find ways to protect the vulnerable, but still get back to being who we are as a people. Do you think Kevin McCarthy in the House, the Republican of California, and Mitch McConnell, Republican of Kentucky, should be the leaders of the Republican Party in those respective chambers? Uh, I think they should not be leaders, but they will remain so. Um, it's almost impossible to uproot Republican Party leadership in Washington, D.C. It's so deeply entrenched there, but it's very, very deeply out of touch with where the base is at. I mean, if you look at, you know, Mitch McConnell's uh, last pitch to vote in the Georgia Senate runoff is stand down on voter fraud concerns, send a bunch of money overseas. But if you want an amount of money, uh, actual Americans that would actually make a difference, uh, we won't be bullied into doing that. I mean, I just don't know how that's a winnable election uh, platform, but I guess, you know, uh, is, you know, well, good luck. We'll find out on Tuesday, I suppose. And, and Kevin McCarthy is one of these run of the mill Republicans. He'll get trotted out on Fox News when they're in the minority to look like Joan of Arc and talk tough. And then when they get control, we'll actually just kind of rubber stamp a, a Bud Light version of what we were already going to get. We, there, this And the Republican base recognizes this. And this is why there's deep existential difficulty right now. I mean, 75 percent of very conservative voters in a Georgia survey USA poll uh, just uh, yesterday said there was no point to even voting in the Georgia Senate runoff. There, There's not just a, a, an existential conflict brewing, brewing with uh, different cultures in America, but there's one brewing within the Republican Party itself. And Trump actually kept a lot of that at bay because he represented those people. But if you remove him from the scene and now they've seen out in the open how little the Republican leadership really cares about them or stands with them, I think you're going to see that thing really spill over in 2021. You can learn more from Steve Dace if you go to theblaze.com. Happy New Year to you. Thank you for your time. All right. Fake news or not. That conversation. What do you think? Who wants to go first? Uh, let's see. I'll say it's it's not fake news overall, but it's not exactly really that much different than what you could have said at this time last year really is it aside from the stimulus stuff is what you said in that any different than what you could have said on january 1st of 2020 the answer is no the difference though is that it's always seemingly being dialed up just a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more and then nothing nothing really changes really the heart of what you're talking about here within uh, the intersection of of conservatism and the Republican Party, if there is an intersection there. So I I would say, uh, and then one thing I want to hone in on, as far as the national divorce conversation goes, I, I, I I wish it were as simple. I think this part might be a little bit fake news because I don't think you went far enough. I wish it were as simple as, We've already decided 
to get a divorce. We're just staying together for the kids right now. I wish it were that sim- simple. I, I think I, I wish I could give credit to who said this, but um, I, I think I've said something similar before, just in not as few words. The Democratic Party and those pulling the levers within the Democratic Party want to enslave you. The Republican Party just hates you. That's not a national divorce here. That's they've already divorced you. And uh, now they're making they're looking to make you their slave, essentially, because we're caught in between being a booty call or staving off enslavement. That's not a country. That's not a country at least worth having any anyway. So that part, I don't think you went far enough. But overall, the, the general sentiment of the dynamic of the Republican Party and uh, conservatism, I, I would say that's pretty true. Todd? I think the most likely thing people might claim to be fake news on there is counterintuitively the truest news of all. And it relates directly to what we talked about at the top of the show about, you know, even some of uh, the best, your best friends, the best friends of this, the show, people we largely agree with aren't just being realistic about the moment and time we live in. And this has, well, that's our opinion. We should say, yeah, yeah. we don't think they are because if we, if we did, we'd have their opinion, right? We could be wrong. We could be wrong, but our, but so I think they're being naive. Right. But we could be the ones that are wrong, but I think they're being naive. If I, that's my and opinion. I, if I had their opinion, I'd have their position. And I agree. And a lot of it speaks to what you said about the, the Trump, ironically, and this is something people are going to have to f- figure out on their own in, in, in hard ways. But in many ways, Trump held this party together. I completely agree with that. When it, it yep. and this speaks to Aaron's point, it was dead man walking. It's why Trump came along in the first place. And look at the level of faction. People that were interviewed on this show, uh, are, you know, listen, quite frankly, I know I'm in a, a virtual civil war with in terms of uh, social media and ideologically. I mean, I, the degree to which I think that they are living in an alternate reality and upside down and their love uh, hatred. Listen, I, and you know what i think about trump i can't say it more clearly i don't think he's been a great president but i do think he just was this duct tape that held things together and it's we're not just better than him we're not just gonna go back it's gonna be a hot mess i think a lot of people will be uncomfortable with how you said that but i think it's undeniably the most fascinating part of your analysis i mean the fact that Several years ago, early in my my campaign, in my campaign, my career. Are you running? He's running. <laughs> um, early in my career, my, the first presidential election I had it, after I made the switch from sports to news was 2008. And I, I mean, I just disdained John McCain as a politician. Uh, he had, I thought he had wrecked the the, the second term of George W. Bush. When they were going to fight on the judges that the Democrats kept blocking, he got a gang of eight to stop that. He stopped the marriage amendment. Um, I mean, it just, he was against us on virtually everything we cared about. And now he's the nominee. And I was very frustrated that a lot of my listeners who were cheering me on during the Iowa caucuses now suddenly are calling management and demanding I get fired 
because I, I apparently I am supposed to forget everything that I knew about John McCain because he was bestowed the magic R. Okay? And and so I'm younger, ornerier. I'm I'm sitting around one day and the I'm watching the Lions go 0 16. And I just start doing research on John McCain's positions compared to Barack Obama's. And I literally found on every position where we could we 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 disagreed with Barack Obama, John McCain at one point in his career had the exact same view on, on virtually every position. I couldn't come up with one. And so I came in on the air the next Monday and did a whole show about voting for the lesser of two evils. Might as well just vote for Obama then. I mean, if, if what's what's worse? What's the lesser of two evils? The guy who just honestly disagrees with you or the guy that um, is lying to you but does? I remember this vividly. Remember this? Oh, yes. Um, do you remember who John McCain's campaign manager was in 2008? Steve Schmidt. Steve Schmidt. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. And... I mean, people lost their minds. After the election, I was put on probation at the station. I the 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 talk station that we were competing against had just put Sean Hannity on an afternoon drive opposite me. I was told if if he beat me, I was going to get fired. Um, I ended up beating him three to one, but I'll keep that to myself and everybody I just shared it with. But um, I mean, everybody came after me for that. And now, all kinds of people do stuff like that nowadays. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's, we, don't, we don't even do stuff like that anymore because it's not edgy anymore. Every, all kinds of people are out there doing it right now. I mean, we're literally having an open debate about voting in the Georgia Senate runoff. And they're calling you all the same names if you don't want to do so. But a lot of people just aren't persuaded by that anymore. So... Aaron is right. We could have given, said all these same answers a year ago, but the truth is more known and accepted than it was a year ago. And in many respects, even though uh, Trump as a human being has often in his life preferred to operate in the same gray as many of the people we're up against, right? He has been the great clarifier of my lifetime. I've never seen a more clarifying force. He both attracts and exposes more grifters and scam artists than I have ever seen anything like it. We we know where everyone really stands now, really truly stands. Right? Everybody's we and 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 so we're having more honest conversations about this in ways that we haven't before. When years ago, when I wanted when I tried doing stuff like this, I mean, people threatened to take food off my table, man, and put me in an unemployment line. So these things now are out in the open more than ever before. And that's why I, I keep trying to tell people, if you, the, you know, like I thought it was like really edgy when I started telling you last year that if Trump lost, they're going to go right back to being the same. And most of you are like, oh, we already know that, dude. And that's, and, and, and we're sitting here right now. I mean, now should I vote in Georgia or not? Right. Mm-hmm. That's a part of it. That's part of what's going on right now. Trump is, is the... Is the what's what's that called? Bail wire, whatever. What's that called? That holds things together. What am I thinking Twine. of? Twine. What's that? Twine. Okay, that wasn't the word I was thinking of. Let's <laughs> <laughs> rewind. Pretend that ten seconds never happened. Oh, Aaron, God bless Twine. you. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, it's like I found the only ninety-five-year-old millennial producer in America. <laughs> 
It's called twine. Bale wire? (laughs) Twine is the thread that holds bales together. Okay. I'm sorry. Thank you. (laughs) (sighs) He's going to be the first to go get off my lawn, man. We're going to be like trying to regrow our hair. And Aaron's going to be over there. Get off my lawn. He's not even 30. All right. Um, but he's he's what's holding this thing together, in my view. And, and, and the, he's holding the, the people back from storming Team GOP's Bastille. Take him off the grid. Here's something I've said to you guys, but I haven't said to you guys watching or listening. So let me say it to you. All that energy, like we were, we were talking about this like last week privately, right? The amount of energy it takes in the winter, the late fall. I mean, our people have, you know, we're the ones that celebrate the holidays and keep the traditions, right? Yeah. Okay. And yet our people are going to Washington, D.C. not once but twice for mass rallies post-election. Likes of which I've not seen except for the, from our side, except from, for like a March for Life kind of event, right? I mean, these are just massive crowds, far beyond even what Trump is, can draw on his own as a mass, as a, as a maybe the biggest brand and name in America. And now there's going to be another one tomorrow. I'm, I'm looking at some of the crowds that are already assembling, getting ready for tomorrow. Have you guys seen some of these videos? No. I mean, the people that are already there getting ready for tomorrow's uh, show of force, I'm sorry, which is what it should be, but I don't think we can call it that and not get banned off of every social media platform. Um, demonstration, does that work, work okay? Okay. All right, so demonstration. Let's say it doesn't work and Joe Biden is, in, is inaugurated on January the 20th. Where's all that energy go? Know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where's it all go? Get them next time. I don't think people are going to be like, I, I guess I'll just go home and and leave me alone on baiting the Fox Hub until 2022 midterms to Kevin McCarthy clips. I, I don't, that's what we used to do, right? Sure. We used to do stuff like that. I don't see this group doing that. I, I, I don't. So where's all that? You've already got Trump threatening the entire Republican Party apparatus in Georgia last night at his rally. Like, I'm making it my personal guarantee Brian Kemp is losing his primary. He, he all but said that last night, right? Yeah. So where where is all that energy going to go? Remember, I told the Republican Party, you are better off Looking like you went to the mattresses for Trump. Because A, if it doesn't work, you at least can say you legitimately tried, right? Yeah. But B, if it does work, he's far less dangerous to you inside the White House than he is out there. The Trump at that rally last night. Now, you know me, I can't stand watching the rallies. I didn't watch any of it. All right. I did follow some of the coverage of it on social media. Okay. That guy is a mortal danger, a clear and present danger. That guy is a Tom Clancy book to the Republican Party apparatus. 
If he chooses to be, I if agree. he chooses yes, to be, if he yes. chooses to be. The guy in the White House is always cutting the. I, he, the guy in the White House was convinced for the last four years he had to cut deals with these people, appoint him to positions in order to be one big happy Republican Party family. Trust experts it, like yeah, Fauci. Yes, oh, yeah. yeah. That that guy's not really much of a dangerous to them, not much of a danger to them at all. I think that's one of our great frustrations about his presidency, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. But dude, take him out of there with all of that energy behind him and he doesn't have to cut any deals now and he's just the trump that we saw on his twitter account prior to winning the presidency basically right yeah that is far far more dangerous to the republican party all that energy is gonna go somewhere those people that are now not once twice three times the coldest times of the year with families and kids and everything else that are making that are that are making a way to Washington D.C. for a third time, just since the election. If they watch Joe Biden after all of this get not inaugurated in a couple of weeks or three weeks, all that energy has to be channeled somewhere. I got a sneaking suspicion if you're a Republican, it's going to be channeled at you, is what I think. And if it isn't, let's just face it, game over for sure. I mean, we're, we, Agree we, with that we, too. Yep. people like us need to come to terms with the fact, how do we raise our family in Babylon or Persia? Because this is not America anymore. If that, that energy needs to fight, it has to. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that as well. You bet. All right. Maybe 2021 will be better than 2020. The fact we're even going to discuss this and Todd has not already shot it down. Is Star Wars fixed? More in a moment. Well, it is a reoccurring theme this time of year. More of a focus on health, getting things started off right. And what can often happen uh, if you're starting a workout regimen and you've been docile for a while or you're kicking it up a notch you're going from just walking which is actually one of the best exercises you can do if you're committed to it but you're going from walking to hey i want to do uh, uh something that challenges me more um boy the soreness a lot of that's inflammation okay and then as we get older the inflammation grows as well. That's why you want to check out Omega XL, whether it's your back, your knees, uh, hip pain, shoulder pain. Now, hey, if you've got an injury, go get it medically treated. All right. But if we're dealing with aches and pains, often that is uh, due to too much inflammation in the body. And backed by 35 years of clinical research, Omega XL is going to help you attack that inflammation that's causing your pain. I use it as a part of my daily routine, especially uh, after a workout. And if if you want to deal with this, get the results that I've been able to get with Omega XL. I take it every day. Never miss it. All right. So get you started. Go to Omega XL dot com right now omega xl.com slash steve go to omega just like it sounds omega xl.com slash steve uh and you'll get a buy one get one free offer buy one bottle get the next one for free at omega xl.com slash steve all real ingredients no fillers 
This stuff works. I use it daily. You can call them as well if you want to do it old school. 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. All right, let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday, where we look each week at the intersection between what's trending in pop culture and conservatism. And we've teased this question. Let's answer it. Is Star Wars fixed? It seems to me if you've watched season two of The Mandalorian. And if you haven't yet, what are you waiting for? Number one. And number two, spoiler alert. No way we can have this conversation and avoid it. So three, two, one. You've been warned. Okay. It seems to me if you look at what was done with season two of The Mandalorian with Dave Filoni and John Favreau, who are now the the showrunners of, of Disney Plus's Star Wars universe. It seems that this entire season, it's like they got together as Star Wars geeks and said, all right, man, that's got to be fixed. Boba Fett is too cool to only see him say three lines in the original trilogy and then get thrown in a Sarlacc pit and digested for a thousand years. Got to do more about that. Got to do something with that, right? Yes. All right. Everybody's pissed about, I'm not as mad, although um, I prefer this Luke Skywalker to the one we saw in The Last Jedi, but I did think he had a heroic end at the end of The Last Jedi, but I get why people wanted to see Luke Skywalker, especially because we were coming off of the previous year, we had Rogue One. And Rogue One is a great film. It's one of the best Star Wars films. But they made the whole movie. They showed it to test audiences and they liked it, but they just thought, there's just something kind of missing, right? And the people who made Rogue One realized, what is the point of having Darth Vader in the film? Because he makes an appearance early in the movie, right? What's the point of having Darth Vader in the film if we don't just have him open a can? And so after the whole film was shot, re-edited and edited and everything, they restaged the scene at the end of Rogue One where they put a spin, uh, where, they, where they tie it directly to the start of A New Hope. And so the first time we see Darth Vader in Star Wars A New Hope is when he goes through that hallway on the ship that the Star Destroyer captures on the tractor beam, right? They put another spin on this now where it's that scene, but you see why people... Uh, went doo-doo uh, in, their, in their shore shorts when Darth Vader walked in a room. I mean, dude just went full-fledged dark side ape you know what, and just opened a can. And that's, it's one of the greatest scenes of in, in the history of Star Wars movies, right? Oh, yes. And that was kind of how they gave our, our generation, a new generation, a chance to see what our generation loved and feared and dreaded about Darth Vader as the great villain of our generation, right? Well, it's like Favreau and Filoni got together and said, all right, we had to fix Boba Fett. We got to we got to fix, um, you know, there's some loose ends between Rebels and Clone Wars and and the new series. So let's we'll bring in Ahsoka Tana. We got to fix that. But what we got to fix most of all is we got to fix Luke Skywalker. And the and maybe it, it 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 might be the greatest moment in a Star Wars film. Other than Vader 
and it's not even a film it's a show other than vader throwing the emperor down the shaft darth vader saying i am your father luke blowing up the death star right it's it's in in my view it's in that class when mando and his crew is caught on the imperial cruiser trying to save baby yoda and out of nowhere comes a lone just even I just gotta shiver down the back of my neck guys even thinking about that scene again out of nowhere comes a lone X-Wing Noah and I are watching this together and looked at each other and said no they did it no they they know and they did and what emerges is a hooded figure same hooded figure we see at the beginning of Return of the Jedi in Jabba's palace hooded figure with a green lightsaber and dude just goes crush kill destroy they even it's the same scene in rogue one it's the exact same scene just from the light side of the force instead of the dark side of the force and in his own way now as a jedi not as a sith lord you see luke skywalker take names just in in total control it's not like he's angry or anything like that it's just I'm I'm going to I'm savagely not having it with you. And I'm just going to dispose of you and I, it's not personal. You're just in my way. And that scene, dude. So that's the question. Is Star Wars now fixed, guys? What do you think? And it's just it's not just that. I mean, the other thing that I mean, he was taking out these baddies that the main protagonist of the show earlier in that show was lucky to to escape. One of them. One of them. Yeah. One of them. And now he there's was a taking, fleet of them. And now he was just yeah. took on a fleet of them. I think what they're setting up here with the Mandalorian, and I'm surprised to learn there's going to be another season of the Mandalorian, or is that the Jabba's, uh, not the no, Jabba's. No, the, the Boba Fett the show. The Boba Fett show. Two separate shows. Two sh- separate shows yep. now. So they're going to be, there's going to be another season of the Mandalorian. What they could set up here, you could do post Ray trilogy, whatever you want to call that trilogy that didn't happen, um, but did. You could be setting something up for post that. You could be setting up a lot for in between uh, the the end of the first trilogy and the third trilogy, if that makes sense. And what you're doing right now is you're reestablishing, one, the universe, the Star Wars universe. And most importantly, two, you're reestablishing the magic. When... When you first watch the the, the uh, first movie of the third trilogy, so that would be episode seven, you think, okay, this is a fun Star Wars film, but it never really felt like you were in the Star Wars universe because everything was new. Everything was new. And then finally come, you know, in walks in a very old, uh, a very old Han Solo. And you thought, okay, this is kind of a cool homage. It just didn't feel like the Star Wars. It didn't feel immersive. That was something even, even the, the, the uh, follow-up trilogy of the early 2000s got right. You always felt kind of immersed. There was this this grand scale of it. And and that was just lost. They reestablished that 100% with the Mandalorian. They reestablished that 100%. And I've, I know people, like even with the Sand People, people got a little bit uh, ticked off with that at the beginning of the second season. I thought that was interesting, actually, because you're, you're just creating this depth of the universe. You're world building. You're world building. Yep. Anything, and you have this feeling anything is possible, anything can happen. And then, secondly, 
Ashoka, is that how you say her name? Ahsoka. Ahsoka. That episode with her, it was like they turned her into Batman. Mm-hmm. And that is awesome. That's what a Jedi is supposed to look like. Not the whiny Anakin Skywalker that we saw. Not the very, very, very conflicted at all times Rey that we uh, saw. That was what you're supposed to see from a Jedi. Is just a uh, kind of a weird religious Batman with uh, with a laser sword. That I, So I think... All of those things just kind of sum up into this. They're recapturing the magic and the depth of the Star Wars universe in a way that three movies just chipped away at, frankly. It's not fixed because there's so much to fix. But as long as Ryan Johnson lives, breathes, Todd will not believe Star Wars is fixed. It is what it is. I mean, (laughs) uh, it's just a, a, a level of not appreciating the child in you that loves something, almost resenting the child to the point that uh, you need to cleanse it. In a, and that's what I think Ryan Johnson did. Like he, like he needed, he hated the part of him that loves Star Wars, but still loves Star Wars. How do I reconcile this? Well, do this nonsense. That's why the scene you're talking about, Steve, is so powerful. The. It, had everybody done everything right up until now in that file, well, in all of the Star Wars after the initial, that would have been a really cool thing. But I agree. It was, it took me back to being the, Steve, seven to 12 year olds mm-hmm. we were in that framework. The first time you see Luke in all of his Jedi glory but, on that freighter in Jabba's palace, uh, right? Yeah. It, was, it felt like that again. We should, have, we should have seen so much more from multiple carers by that now. It would have been cool. But I, the, I was just sitting there myself, was that that hard? Yeah. It was never hard. It's Star Wars. My generation, Steve, our generation is built to just keep coming back to this. And Mm -hmm. we we should know better by now in many ways, but we keep to because, man, it was good and true and beautiful. And they finally just, this is why I don't know if, if anybody's watching Cobra Kai out there. Also for our generation, that like one of I've the, seen the first two episodes and I liked it. I just haven't picked it up yet. One of the t- but it knows exactly, and maybe it learned that from Star Wars. It is just brilliant and understanding you have to your source material. Yes, yeah. it will not betray it. It doesn't mean it has the exact same feel. It's more campy now. It definitely modernized the feel, but it's it it absolutely loves and adores what it was about. And clearly, Filoni does. I saw a couple interviews with that guy. I mean, this is this might be his religion. I mean, it's almost a little creepy how much he loves it, <laughs> but he's getting it right. And I'll take I'll, I'll take it. And obviously, we know the game that um, Favreau has. Uh, so it's it, it, here's the problem: you almost to fix it in any future sense after Return of the Jedi, you're going to have to ignore the Ray trilogy. That's probably true. And, and yep. there's a lot of reports that they are will never see those characters ever again. Uh, maybe we'll see some of Rey, because she does have a popularity level. The rest of them are irrelevant or not popular. And I think you kind of stumbled upon, it. this was never that hard. It was just, do you appreciate your yeah. own source material? Do you appreciate that? That's, what, that's why I'm so mad at Iron Man 3. Yep. 
Iron Man 3 is not a bad film. It's a very well-made film. But the bait and switch that it pulls with one of the great villains in the history of the Marvel comics made me mad. And the fact, and I think I'm proven right by the fact that this year they're going to bring that villain back in a movie and do it the right way. Okay? Honor, don't, don't patronize or condescend your base. I mean, essentially, Star Wars became the Republican Party. We hate our own customers. That, that was the message that was communicated. Don't tell me this stuff is really important, you know, um, and then tell me when I don't like it. Well, it's really not that important. You shouldn't like it that much anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's kind of what went on here is, is they, they showed either an ignorance or a hostility to their own source material. I will say there to speak to Aaron's point, and I brought it up after the first two episodes of season two, and a lot of people agreed with me that I thought it. I was I kind of had a uh oh. They weren't terrible. They weren't they weren't bad, but I was wondering if are they just going to do like a David Banner, Incredible Hulk, just kind of go from town to town? Yeah, Star Wars. It doesn't necessarily have to be about Anakin or the Skywalker's, but there needs to be a thread that's constantly through every one, connecting, moving on this tale of the force the jedi you can't just do some wander the earth because that's your that's your that's your ecosystem yes yeah i mean you can you don't have to live in that space but you can't abandon it either right right yeah you can move beyond it but you can't ever abandon it that's what you just described as the secret of the sauce of the marvel cinematic universe all those films have their own individual distinctiveness but they don't ever depart from the meta narrative Aaron. Yeah, and it's funny you brought up Iron Man 3 because I was about to go there. That's a great movie up until this point where he lands in that small town and he meets that kid and then he just becomes insufferable. And you're talking about Tony Stark at that point. He just becomes insufferable. And then after that, it's just like, do you even build suits, bro? I mean, that's what the movie (laughs) essentially becomes. Not honoring the source material. That's the same thing that happened in the eighth movie with, with Ryan Johnson. Up until the point, right after Ray... And uh, what's the emo guy's name? Sorry, I, I'm I'm drawing a blank. About, uh, uh, Finn? Yeah, uh, no. Um, oh no, no, the 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 emo character with the red lightsaber, the bad guy. Oh, the main Kylo. Guy. Kylo, Kylo. Thank you, yeah. man. Total brain fart. Up until that point, <laughs> I love emo character. Just a, Steve and I are like all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Up until that point. <laughs> It was. I thought it was a great, fun movie. Not perfect, but fun. If they just would have ended it there, that would have given J.J. Abrams the out that he needed to kind of pick it up from there. Leave it on a cliffhanger. But no, we had to go compo- a completely shattered stained glass in that movie, and that's where it went off the rails, and the whole series went off, off the rails there. Yeah. And, you know, they tried to dismiss this as, well, just a bunch of right-wingers didn't like some of the social justice nods. No, it was just a bad movie. Mark Hamill hated his own character. All right? I mean, you guys follow Mark Hamill on Twitter? Yeah. When he's not talking Star Wars, he thinks we all probably belong in a Turkish prison. Yes. Okay? He hated his own character. Yes. So it was far more transcendent than the political messaging. You're right. All right, that's going to do it for today. Uh, we're going to stick around and do some overtime. Uh, look at some voter fraud numbers you do not want to miss at blazetv.com slash dace. For the rest of you, see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.